This show is all about you and your life. So, welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and of course, as always, remember that after the episode, I'll encourage you to go out and spend five minutes today listening to somebody else. You'll be amazed what you can learn about someone in such a short amount of time. My conversation with Alex Solosco today focuses mainly around marching bands. I had no idea how much effort was put into these practices and these performances. It blew my mind, and that's why we spent so much time on it. Of course, we had conversation before and after, which I wish I could share with you, because turns out Alex also does some beekeeping, which I thought was awesome, and I just had to share it. So enjoy the episode, and remember, take that five minutes to learn about somebody else today. Alex? Welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you for having me. So uh, you're the first person on here who I've had named Alex. So, I mean, special, right? Yeah. Right? And, uh, and actually, I guess you can feel special because we're both named Alex. So yes, how, how amazing is that, right? That's true. So that's part of how we know each other. Uh, why don't you tell everyone how we know each other? Okay. So at the beginning of the semester... It was about third day of school. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was the second day of class that Alex and I have together. Yep. Um, we were sitting in our Foundations of Humanities class. And uh, the teacher said, all right, this is where you're going to be sitting for the rest of the semester. So uh, get to know the people around you. Yeah. So Alex turned around and said, hey, I'm Alex. What's your name? I'm like, hey, I'm Alex too. Yeah. And then I turn around and introduce myself to a guy behind me. He's like, hey, I'm also Alex. And we're like, we're, we're all Alexes. There's three Alexes in a direct line of sight of the yeah. teacher. Yeah. And so if he calls on one of us, we just blame it on the other. Exactly. You just point backwards. Yeah. and be, Oh, you were talking about that Alex, right? I, I haven't had to answer a question all year. Because I always take the fire. Yeah. Or if I don't take it, you just send it back. To the other Alex. I haven't taken a question all year. Yeah. Because there's two other people named Alex around me. I mean, and it helps. The girl that sits beside you is named Alexia. Yeah. There's an Alexia beside me. And then on, on the other side of the room, there's a girl named Alex. Like, yeah. There's five people with the name Alex, supposedly, in the class. Supposedly. Do we believe that they're all named Alex or that they just want to be part of our cult? That's a good question. I'm kind of suspicious of the guy that sits behind you. I don't think we have time you. to discuss that in, in the depth that we want to. We should start a whole podcast about it. We should have an Alex, like, fan club. Would it be a fan club or, like, a like a, a cult podcast? Cult, cult podcast. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Where we just talk to Alexes. It's just a, a room full of Alexes, and we talk about how many people we think just go by to Alex. Just go by Alex to join the cult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very cool cult. You, you have to show your birth certificate. This is Alex to get in. If you change your name, can you get a new birth certificate? Can you get a new birth certificate with your new name? Do you know? I'm not sure if you can get a new birth certificate, but you get like a, a new ID. Yeah. Which is why we'd have to ask We'd have to go to the birth certificate. Make sure that they're were you born worthy Alexes. Are you a real Alex? Yeah. And the nice thing is, it's a gender neutral name. 
It is. So we're not excluding anyone. No, we're not. As long as your name has Alex yeah. in it and you go by Alex, yeah. you're welcome. Come on in. Come join the party. Yes. That's awesome. We're going to start that. I actually would. So, uh, But um, going forward, where are you from? I am from Dallas, Texas. Um, I say Dallas because my town isn't very well known. What's your town called? It's called Flower Mound. Flower Mound. It's very misnamed. Really? Well... It's misnamed now. Back when it was named, yeah, it was named for a reason. Because in about the center of town, yeah, there's this big hill or mm-hmm. mound, yeah, and uh, it. I guess it was covered with a bunch of flowers at one point, mm-hmm. um, but nowadays it's just dead grass and weeds. So. It's now just called the mound, and it's and it it used to be beautiful, supposedly. Yes, it. So what happened so, to it? I'm I'm not sure. Really, I all I know is that it used to have flowers. Now it doesn't. Okay, so well, you're from Flower Mound, Texas, which you say Dallas because Dallas is known. Yeah, more people know Dallas. So how far out of Dallas? is Flower Mound? It takes about 15 minutes to half an hour to get into the city. Okay. Depending on which part you're going to. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. It's like right outside of Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and what was it like growing up there? Did you grow up there? So I was born outside of Texas, but I've lived most of my life in Texas. So okay. I consider, yes, I grew up in Texas. Okay, but where where were you born then? I was born in Indiana. Indiana, which is further east than here. Yes, it is further east. It is just under the great, one of the great lakes. Okay, okay. See, I didn't know that. I'm so uneducated on eastern geography. The only reference I could give you. And I really? think it's next to Ohio. Yeah. Maybe. And, and so how long did you live there then? Probably, I know at least three years. Okay. Uh, from when I was born. Okay. To when we moved. And then you moved to Flower Mound straight away. Actually, we moved to Castaic, California. Where's that? I'm not. Sure. You don't know. The only thing I remember about California is that we lived on a hill. Yeah. We had a water fountain in our backyard. Nice. Really nice. That's pretty. And that we moved to Texas on my birthday. Was that something you were happy about? I don't remember if I was happy or sad about Okay, so that. you're still super young. Yes. I, yeah. I was about five when we moved from California. Oh, okay, okay. So then, yeah, you're definitely considering yourself from Texas. Texas. And so what, what was growing up there like for you? It was, it's definitely different from, I'd guess, like growing up anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the lifestyle and the culture, um, you get a mix of so many different, yeah. ty- different types of people um, that I probably grew up learning things that someone from 
the middle of the country wouldn't have learned because of all the different cultures that were yeah. in Texas. Yeah, it's a different culture, different kind of society. So what was, what would you say? Because I know there is a stereotypical idea that people have of Texas. How accurate is that? And what would you say it was like, particularly in Flower Mound? So uh, from where I'm from in Texas, the stereotypes are not that accurate. I never rode a horse to school. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not live on a farm. And I'm in no way, shape, or form a cowboy. Yeah. Um, However, in Texas, there is a state law that states if a student were to ride a horse to school, the principal is required to take care of that horse. Really? Yes. So if you don't like the principal, ride a horse. Ride school. your horse to school, and, and just they'll be out of the, or, and they'll be out of the building all day. They'll be too busy yes. taking care of your horse. That's awesome. Yes, so. So Flower Mound is not the stereotypical no. Texas. I I would say most of the surrounding areas, not just Flower Mound, mm-hmm. really the whole DFW area, which stands for Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay. Um, Dallas and Fort Worth are two major cities in the and northeast where I'm from. Okay, and they're fairly close they're, together? Yeah. They're, we we kind of make a tr- triangle. Um Fort Worth is um, southwest of Flower Mound. Okay. Southeast. Okay. Um, And then they just consider it the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. And I'd say that they're pretty, pretty out of the stereotypical. Really. Texas. Yeah. So what does it look like there then? It is very much a business city. Okay. A lot of Flower Mound works in dallas okay and so lots of traffic yeah one of our major roads is a highway i lived right off that road yeah yeah so it's a pretty busy happening place lots going on but it's not the it's not 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 everyone is a cowboy yeah okay and uh yeah because i know i know whenever something's larger they call it texas sized Yes, that is true. Yeah, yeah. Because one of the stereotypes is everything is bigger in Texas, which that stereotype is somewhat true. Okay, so what is bigger in Texas? Um, definitely the egos. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> um, I'd also have to say the football teams mm-hmm. and the school spirit correlating with those football teams. Those are definitely bigger than... What I've heard from different states. Really? Yes. Uh, football is a whole different religion it's in Texas. A, yeah, it is a religion. It, 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 yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm surprised it's not the state religion yet. <laughs> yeah, forget a separation of uh, church and state. It's football. It's football. That That's everything okay. to everyone. Really? If you don't go to a football game in Texas, you're, you're going to be exiled from Really? Texas. I mean, not really, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, are you are you a football fan then? So, I mean, yes and no. I'll watch football. I couldn't care less for football. Mm-hmm. I went to every high school football game because I was in the marching band. Oh, okay. So, 
but it's not. I mean, I can watch football. I know what's going on. You can enjoy it. You but can, but it's I not. Consider myself a fan. Oh, okay, okay. And so, in marching band, then, what did you play? Okay, so I played the bassoon. Okay. Which is actually not a marching instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a marching instrument because it's a double reed. So it is just two pieces of cane mm-hmm. stacked on top of each other. And then the vibration is what makes the sound. Interesting. And so if you were to march with that, you'd break the reed after the first 10 steps. Really? You wouldn't be able to play. What? So how, okay, so how does, how big is the bassoon? So, okay, so if you've ever seen like a symphony mm-hmm. or an orchestra, it's the big woodwind yeah. in the front. It's, uh, it sticks out diagonally. Okay. And occasionally it'll either have a ring of ivory on the top or just a metal ring surrounding the top. And it's just it's big, it's wooden. Hmm. And you enjoyed that? I, I did enjoy playing the bassoon, yeah. yes. So then how did you adapt for marching band then? So what happened my freshman year, my freshman year was actually the interesting year because that year the marching show actually included the bassoons and we sat in a box yeah. towards the front of the field that was closed. Um, and then about halfway through the show, People came and opened the box, and nine bassoonists played, and then they closed the box, and then after they closed the box, the bassoonists snuck out the back, Hmm. and we grabbed alto saxophones that were hiding. Okay. And then we marched the rest of the show holding alto saxes. Okay, that's interesting. So is that a, is it a fairly similar-ish instrument to play? So they're both woodwinds. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's about where the correlation stops. Hmm. Um, The saxophone uses a different position of the mouth, and it's a different. It uses a different quality of air as a bassoon. It's uh, it's a lot. Each instrument is tricky to learn in its own way. Yeah. um, Just because all the different fingerings and the key placements are different. And so learning the saxophone after learning the bassoon, there were some similarities. Yeah. But after the, the first few notes, the fingerings changed and it's completely different. Yeah. So, so then was freshman year your first time playing the alto sax? It or? was the first time I had even picked up an alto sax. Really? So yeah. like how, how did you adjust to that? Um, like just a lot well. of practicing? Um, a lot of practicing. We spent a lot of time together as bassoons, mm-hmm. learning how, being taught how to play alto sax. Um, but in the end, the directors did not like the way we sounded. So we got cut from a lot of the, the end of the show. Okay, so you're supposed to be in more than... So, so by cut, I mean we weren't playing. Yeah. So we were marching, but, but you weren't playing. there was no sound coming out of it, our instrument. Because you weren't good enough? Because, yes. Wow. How did that, did, like, did that make you feel bad, or did you think? I was very happy I didn't okay. have to learn those parts. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so, because 
because if it's not your instrument that you've been trained on. So how long did you play the bassoon for before then? Then, So I had played the bassoon all through middle school. Mm-hmm. So I started in sixth grade and I played bassoon all the way through high school. So six, seven years. Really? I played bassoon. Yeah, yeah. And why did you choose the bassoon or did your parents have you play it or what? So that's actually a funny story. Let's get into it. Um, so my sister, who's about five years older than me, she okay. started middle school playing the oboe, which is the other side of the double reed family. Okay. And so it's a, it's like a smaller bassoon. Okay. It uh, kind of correlates with the flutes, whereas the bassoon kind of correlates with the tubas and the trombones. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and so she played the oboe. So I'd, I'd hear her practice. I was like, that kind of sounds cool. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to sixth grade, my, the middle school had this thing called Try the Instrument Night. Mm-hmm. Or I guess I was in fifth grade at the time. Um, but I went to this Try the Instrument Night. Um, I tried out for percussion. I tried trumpet, tuba. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try the oboe because my sister played it. Yeah. Um, so I went to the woodwind director. It's like, can I try the oboe? And mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, sure. And so she starts to get the reed ready, and she's like, oh, the reed is cracked. You can't play on a cracked reed. Yeah. And so she sent one of her helpers to go get another reed, and they came back, and they had grabbed three reeds. Two of them were bassoon reeds, and the third one was an oboe reed. Really? But somewhere along the way from grabbing the reeds to getting to the table, they had dropped the oboe reed. So they only brought bassoon reeds. So the director was like, why don't you just try the bassoon? (laughs) They're both double reeds. They both play. You play them the same way. Yeah. The only difference is one is a higher pitched instrument. The other is lower. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I'll try the bassoon. So instantly the director knew that the bassoon was for me. Like the moment I played that first note, she was like, "Alex, you have to play the bassoon." Really? Yeah. And so here I am. Because you just you just connected I, I just, with it. Yeah. Really? Was it? I just. It was the instrument chooses it, yes. the player. Yes, the instrument did choose me. I would. I don't think I would have chosen the bassoon otherwise. Really? You probably would. Do you think you would have gone with the oboe? If if I had tried the oboe and I sounded good, I probably would have gone with oboe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the bassoon, what, what does it take to sound good on a bassoon then? So there's this thing called embouchure and mm-hmm. it's the way that you form your mouth around the reed. Okay. And so with bassoon, you want to be able to make, I mean, you want to act like a grandma. Okay. You want to curl your lips in over mm-hmm. your teeth so that you don't bite the reed. For okay. Obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and then you want to have tight corners so you want to make your mouth as o as possible without applying too much pressure to the reed Hmm. and so that's one of the factors and then the other factor is the quality of air okay so with bassoon um, one of the very big differences between other instruments other woodwind instruments is it's kind of a mixture between 
pressing down keys mm -hmm. and like the brass changing the position of your mouth. Okay, interesting. And so um, that's why it made bassoon, it makes bassoon one of the hardest instruments to learn because yeah. you have to change what fingers you're pressing down and then, but you also have to think about where your mouth, like how your mouth is set up to play a certain note. Yeah. So each each note would require a different, just slightly different setup. And if you didn't learn those setups, and it's not quite learning, it's it almost comes naturally to bassoon players. Yeah. You hear the note, and you instantly know what where your mouth, how your mouth should be set for a specific note. And then as you go on to play, you don't have to think about changing your mouth. As soon as your fingers hit those certain keys, your mouth will change with them. Really? And so it, it was really neat. Cause huh. it's, it's hard to explain to people like non bassoon players, but talking with other bassoon players about it, we all understood what was happening. Yeah. And so we could use, we could describe it that in ways that we would understand. It's but like a totally different it, language. It wholly is a different language. That's so fascinating to me. I mean, I know, I know you, with anything, there, there are certain contexts that come to something and some things you just can't explain to somebody who hasn't who, gone through that experience yeah. for themselves. And, and so that's really fascinating to me that, the, that it works so much like that for the bassoon, even compared against other instruments, right? Because you can read notes, you can read music, right? And right. that in itself is another language. But then I guess the interpretation of that into the way your mouth is formed around the reed and the way your fingers are placed, that's so interesting. So, so then you said you, you've been playing for seven years or six years? So yes, I played from the beginning of my sixth grade year to the end of my senior year. Which you just graduated. Which, right? Yes, I did yeah. just graduate in June, so that's six, seven years, yeah. Right. Man, that's cool. That's cool. So have you, have you other than the alto sax, did, or with the alto sax, how about, did you go any further with that one, or did you just kind of... I tried that, not my thing. So, so at the end of the marching season, my freshman year, mm -hmm. um, we put the alto saxes away, and I never touched an alto sax again after that. Really? Um, because the following marching year, I thought that I would be put on alto sax because it's all up to the directors and where they need mm -hmm. the double reeds that year. And so that year, I was put on bass clarinet, which is kind of like a saxophone, mm -hmm. but different in yeah. a way yeah um so my sophomore year i marched bass clarinet and that was definitely easier to learn than the alto sax because i was marching an entire show okay playing bass clarinet as opposed to one part of the show having to alternate between the two mm -hmm. okay. so i could i could focus all of my energy on learning the altos or the bass clarinet yeah instead of having to learn <clears throat> the bassoon part as well as the alto sax right. part and how so so you had uh did, was it was it easier for you to learn the bass clarinet or was it just better since you had that uh, greater amount of energy focus 
I'd have to say both um, because uh, with the alto sax, it was other bassoonists teaching other bassoonists. Yeah. And so it was people that weren't really alto saxes but knew how to play the alto sax already were teaching people that had never touched the alto sax. Mm -hmm. But with the bass clarinet, I was with real bass clarinets all marching season and so they'd help me throughout the entire season um, and so it's like I had an actual bass clarinet teacher yeah and then I could also spend a lot more time with the bass clarinet yeah that's interesting and then um, and then so marching band walk me through a little bit what that's like because I, ha I have no experience in marching band I you know I'm totally unfamiliar okay um, let's see, where do we start? The first time you joined marching band in freshman year. Okay, so the first time I joined marching band, I, I'm going to start with sophomore year because okay. freshman year was weird because of Because you're kind of, right. Um, and so sophomore year, um, marching an entire show is very exhausting mm -hmm. it's eight minutes of straight marching and using all your air to play an instrument as mm -hmm. opposed to keeping yourself up yeah okay um and so um the way texas does it or yeah the way texas does it is there's this organization called uil and they say you can have this amount of hours in mm -hmm. the summer um, to practice your marching show, the mm -hmm. actual show. Um, and so my school would start August 1st, 7.30 in the morning, and then we'd have three a days. So we'd have a 7.30 to 11.30 block and then we'd have a lunch break, mm -hmm. and then we'd have a 1.30 to 4.30 block, and then a dinner break, and then we'd finish the night with a 6.30 to 9 o'clock block, and then we'd go home for the day. The, this was one day? This, was, you, this would be one, in one day, yes, those three blocks. Those three blocks, and you start at what time? 7.30 in the morning. And you end at 9.30 at night with yes. a couple breaks with, for with, food. Yes. Holy. Wow. That was Monday through Saturday. Wait, that was every day? Every day of August. Are you serious? We'd, ha we'd have Sundays off. There were, there were a couple days. There's at the end of August, a couple, like the week before school would start, mm -hmm. they, they'd have the teachers would come in and like, practice teaching i guess mm -hmm. or like set up their rooms and so we'd have those morning and afternoon blocks off and so we'd start at four thirty and go to nine and so the like the last week we'd only have five hours only five hours wow what a shame i know that's crazy when you said that there was an organization that said you have this many hours in the summer to practice i thought there's going to be some weird regulation where each team's only supposed to allowed uh, be allowed to practice for this amount of time but then you're practicing these insane hours yeah. every day so okay so 
why did you do it? So I did it because I enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, I enjoyed it, and then it also got me out and about. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was it was very good exercise. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, it, it's like wearing one of those oxygen depriving masks. Yeah. While you run. Um, but it was just like the environment was just so fun. Yeah. And enjoyable. What 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 made it enjoyable? The people. Yeah. And like the the unity that we'd have after spending an entire month. Yeah, it sounds almost like like a boot camp. It, you know, it and really is. Those become your brothers and sisters, the your people. They it yeah. They really do become like family. Wow. And so okay, so you spend all this time with with them. So and you have this I guess that amounts to what a fourteen hour practice with a couple breaks? It was eleven hours a day. Eleven hours a day practicing. Holy and so so you're doing all of this time and you're spending all this time with these people and they're they're growing to become your family. In what sort of ways have they become your 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 family now like do you still keep in touch with them do they, you know yeah i definitely keep in touch with um the people that i marched with mm -hmm. um because there's definitely a bond that you can't get anywhere else yeah um because of all the all the competitions all the football games all the yeah just all the hard work that you put into the same thing yeah um like those will never go away yeah and I know I've seen uh, I've, I've seen videos of marching bands, and there's the person with the white and the black. And the, is there is that a is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe I, it was just at this one marching band, but they were doing these big uh, arm movements like that. Drum majors, drum yes. majors. Then okay. They they will uh, conduct the band or keep the band in time with one another. Yeah. Because it's, it's the craziest thing. It's like watching the hyenas goose-stepping in Lion King. Yes. They all, everyone's in, in order. Yes, that is, it is very much like that. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, I mean, I wonder how you have, how you have fun and you grow these bonds while at the same time creating this level of order that I watch on YouTube and just, I'm blown away by. So... So my school was not a, was an example of a good band with bad qualities. Okay. So during practices, we'd get yelled at all the time for talking. Yeah. But in the end, we do really well at competitions. Yeah. And so it's it's not that we weren't um, we didn't want to practice. It's mm -hmm. that we wanted to have fun while practicing. Yeah. And so we'd talk and make jokes with one another. Yeah. And then the drum majors and the directors, they took that as us not paying attention or n us not wanting to be there. Mm -hmm. Whereas we were creating, creating an environment where we would want to be there. Interesting. So is that, I mean, I don't know. I'm very curious about how this all ties in with with any sort of leadership, do you, th do you feel like there has to be some sort of anarchy to allow for people to have an enjoyable time whilst at the same time studying? So yes, 
So in marching band, most of the time, there will be a leadership kind of umbrella. Okay. So it'll start, I'll start at the top and then make my way down. So at the top, there's the directors. Okay. And then underneath the directors, there's the drum majors. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it'll be four or five, um, depending on how big the band is. Yeah. And then after the drum majors, there's the captains. There's two of them most of the time, woodwind and brass. Okay. Um, And then underneath the captains are the section leaders. So Mm -hmm. those are the people over each individual instrument. And then the people that report to the section leaders are called squad leaders. Mm -hmm. And the squads are little... um, little groups of instrument, like the same instrument okay. that the squad leaders will teach. And then if you have questions later on in the year, even after marching season ends, you can ask a squad leader. Hmm. They don't know. They can ask a section leader and so on and so forth. That's interesting. So it's very, very organized. I mean, tons of preparation. <laughs> Holy. It is definitely a lot of time goes into choosing the right leaders. Mm-hmm. So you play. How often do you play then? When when uh, or how often do you march in? You know, at halftime at a football game and stuff. So, so during the school year. So after August band camp ends. Yeah. That's when UIL gets really strict on the time. We okay. can only practice eight hours a week. Mm-hmm. Except for competitions day, competition days where we get an extra hour. Wow. And so we'd go Monday, Tuesday would be three hours. Then we'd have a break on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday would be two hours. And then we'd have an early morning practice Friday morning before school started in preparation for the football game. Wow. And so we'd practice with the drill team. Mm-hmm. They'd all they'd perform at the beginning of halftime, um, and we'd accompany them in the background while they danced, and then we would perform a portion of our show. Okay. And so we would march every football game, every halftime, um, and so we did perform our show quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, which must have felt felt good that all this practice you get to perform so many times. It it definitely did felt feel good because the football games were almost another practice. Yeah. Um, just not broken down into each yeah. part. It was right. You put all of your work into one performance. It's almost like a dress rehearsal. Yes. It kind of it really kind of is for yeah. a competition. Right. And then and then how do these competitions work? Because my one roommate is was in a marching band and he showed us some videos and I I don't understand how it works. Okay, so most of the time, you would drive down the day before mm-hmm. you perform the first time. Right. And you'd get there, and if your directors were nice, they'd give you a couple hours of rest. Mm-hmm. And then you would either practice, depending on when you performed that day, you would either practice for set amount of hours or you'd go straight to warm up. Right. So warm up, you get, I want to say it's an hour, okay. split up twice into two 30-minute blocks. Mm-hmm. One set aside for marching, 
Right. And the other set aside for playing. Okay. And so you'd get a half hour to practice your marching technique and then a half hour to practice the music. Okay. And then you'd come together right before your performance. You'd walk to wherever you're performing, line up on the end zone line. Okay. You'd have this big old burly guy who's a judge who's been doing it for years. Yeah. You'd count down from 10. Then as soon as he hits zero, you get onto the field because you have two minutes to get set up. And that's including all the props, all the percussion in the front, you to get to your spot on the other side of the field. Holy cow. And then once you get there, you stop moving and you wait for the show to start. Mm-hmm. And then once it does, it is eight minutes of straight performance. Yeah. There is no break in between. And once you finish, you got two minutes to get off. Really? And so it is a madhouse before and after the performance. Yeah. To get everything off the field. Because if you don't, you're deducted points. Really? Yeah. And so how how seriously is this treated? And like, yeah, how do people treat it? What is it? It is treated very, like, seriously. Like, if yeah. you joke around at a competition, you will get yelled at by at least 12 people. Really? Not just the leaders, Not but the just teammates the like, as well? Yes, other band members. Wow. And so where where does being in marching band lead you so it can lead you to a lot of different paths in life Um, one of the paths is this thing called drum corps it is their college age students sometimes high school you can start once you turn 17 Mm -hmm. um, but you try out and these are the professionals of yeah. marching band. Yeah. They spend all summer practicing for this very big competition at the end. They'll mm-hmm. have competitions in between, but they don't really amount to anything. Yeah, it's just more of a scrimmage. It, it's more then... for like a dress rehearsal. Right, yeah. Again. And so... At the end of the season for these drum corps, they will all perform, and then it is a big competition of these really great marching bands. Yeah. And then the best one wins. Wow. So that's that's one of the paths that marching band can take you. Yeah, you can go on. You can further. go on to yeah to march professionally, um, and then another path path. It's not really marching band related, but it's band related. Right. You can go on to be a music major for your instrument. Right. Or a band director. Yeah. Um, another path is a music minor. Mm-hmm. So you're majoring in something else, but you still want to play your instrument. Mm-hmm. Or it can be like me, where you don't continue on with music. Right. And so, so I mean, but at the same time, I'm sure those lessons of discipline. And the fun that you had kind of oh, most, carries with most you, right? Definitely. It has definitely influenced wow. the path that I'm taking now. Holy cow. I'm, I mean, I have gained an insane amount of respect for marching band people now. I had no idea how much went into that. And I mean, obviously, everything's very orderly and very clear, and the bands perform very well. But I had no idea exactly how much 
went into that and how much discipline and fun that 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 could have been well um what i described is is what my band did yeah um most i mean it's like football in texas marching band is a big thing again. everything's bigger in texas yeah, yeah definitely right um and so other states their marching bands aren't as orderly yeah. as mine was um my directors just strived for the best. Yeah. Um, and so they wanted the band to do well mm-hmm. in these competitions. They wanted the students to feel accomplished. Yeah. And they spent all summer doing something that led to something even greater. Yeah. Which is awesome. Obviously, it's had a huge impact on you because we just talked for 30 minutes about it. And I, I, I think that's so cool. So now that you are not in marching band, now that you are... A college student uh, how where where are you going what are your plans so now that I am out of marching band I can kind of focus on the other aspect of my life that I enjoy and that's chemistry mm-hmm. sounds really nerdy but I really do enjoy chemistry really yes it I grew up with a church leader that was a chemical engineer okay and yeah. I looked up to him so much yeah and he was just a great example to me and chemical engineering was part of that example and that's and so I I've strived to that is the one career path that I have kept my mind focused on the longest really yeah I, I did not want to be an astronaut when I was a kid yeah not a race car driver I wanted to be a chemical engineer really and so okay so tell me what does a chemical engineer do or or more specifically what do you as a future chemical engineer want to do so um, all I know right now is that I want to be a chemical engineer mm-hmm. I don't know what aspect I want to go into yet but a chemical engineer can do anything from making medicine to finding the best spots to drill oil or mm-hmm. the best ways to drill oil to get the most out of it to creating the most efficient um, oh, uh, refrigerant for AC units. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a really broad career. Yeah, it's in everything. But not a lot of people do it. Yeah. Um, it chemical engineer really encompasses everything. Yeah, yeah. So it's not oversaturated. There's a lot of opportunity and there yes, there is definitely going to be a job opening for me when I graduate. Yeah, yeah. And so is it you had you had the example of your church leader. You had uh, the you know, obviously you have some interest in chemistry to begin with. What what else has driven you to choosing that path? Just the natural ability, or not ability, but the natural kind of talent I had with chemistry when I first got into a chemistry class. Yeah. I would, um, the way the chemistry class was set up, we'd we'd be taught the subject during class, and then we'd be given... The homework we'd be given the homework at the beginning of class and then we were supposed to do it as we were taught it okay and I realized about a quarter of the way through that class that I could answer most of the homework before I was even taught the concept yeah 
I would I would be taught the first part of the concept and then I could teach myself the rest with the homework. Everything else just kind of made sense yeah. to you. Okay. So it was just this natural ability to teach myself chemistry after learning one part of a question. That's awesome. And so so you have this natural gift for it. I certainly don't I mean, I love chemistry, but that was that was one subject that I really had to put effort into. And, uh, and and so then you're you're going on to do that. Would you have um, like a big a big goal, a big dream, something that you really hope for the future with that? So, I mean, I would call it a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really a goal, mm-hmm. um, but I just want to be able to find um, like a, a cure or have a big discovery at some point of my career yeah that'll change the like the way that we that we live mm-hmm. that'd be awesome so kind of change change uh humanity's perspective on of, on the universe or yeah, of, of, of certain, something yeah that'd be awesome so that's that's your big dream nothing nothing too specific just I'd, you want to do I'd, something I'd, awesome yeah. in your career that's awesome. I th- I think it's really admirable, uh, and I mean I can see this with how how you ha- had marching band practice and how how you loved being there despite you know it being long days, right? And and how how that's impacted you. You know, you say you you want to basically you're saying you want to be the best. You want to really excel in your field. You want to put those hours in and that effort in. And, and I think that's fantastic. But this is your first semester. It, it is my first semester of college. So you're right at the, the beginning of that journey. And how, how long of schooling is that? How much schooling do you expect to have ahead? So it depends on how far I want to go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still um, deciding if I want to stop after a master's or mm-hmm. continue on and get my doctorate in chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not much difference be, on what I can do with a master's and doctorates. Um, I just, I think that it would be, it would be a good experience for me to be able to say that I worked on a doctorate and be yeah. able to say that I got it. You took it all the way. I, I, I went all the way with something and yeah. I think that that would be a great experience for me and not, not only me, but hopefully my my future children will be able to see that that hard things can be done because mm-hmm. um, chemistry is definitely one of the harder harder subjects yeah and, and then putting engineering in with it it definitely makes it a hard major yeah but that's awesome i i really appreciate um you coming you coming on my wax museum and sharing sharing your thoughts and your experiences uh, and how, I mean, allowing me to kind of glimpse into your life at how big of a part marching band was. I mean, literally hundreds of hours, probably thousands of hours. Was, yeah. Um, someone did the math about a week ago for yeah. the seniors this year. Yeah. Um, and so it's a little low for the amount of hours I put in. Yeah. Because we had... Um, we had two major competitions that probably added about an extra 30 hours. Oh, wow. 
Um, whereas the seniors this year only had one of those competitions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so the seniors this year spent yeah. 1,604 and a half hours in marching band. During their high school during careers. During their high school career. And that amounts to 67 days. Wow. You spent 67 days straight mm-hmm. doing this during and practicing. Marching band. That's amazing. That's absolutely incredible. And I, I think you'll absolutely be uh, the better off for it. My eh? life will never be the same yeah. with the experiences I had with that's, marching band. That's awesome. Well, thanks again. Thanks for coming on and sharing that. That's, thanks for I, having me. Flows my mind, man. <laughs> thanks. And thanks to you for listening today. Of course, feedback, as always, can be sent to mywaxmuseum at gmail.com. I'd also really appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever else you find the podcast. Of course, I encourage you to go out today, spend five minutes just listening to somebody, just getting to know somebody, just asking them about them. I know as I've done that on the podcast, it's improved my life. And I've been striving to do it off of the podcast as well, to build up these relationships, strengthen these friendships. Again, thank you for listening, and you'll hear from us next week.